0: Welcome to The Age of Audio. My name's Graham Brown from the award-winning podcast agency, Pickle & Co. The Age of Audio is a series of conversations with thought leaders and changemakers in the world of audio. That's podcasts, radio, and social audio converging with big data to create engaging and authentic content for a new generation of listeners. All right, Rock, uh, before we get going, tell me how does... uh... An accounting major end up working for a podcast company. How does that work out?
1: Uh, Yeah, it is. It is a little strange. I know that that's uh, not the typical path for an accountant, but I think it just. uh, I've I've just really been passionate about podcasting ever since I. I heard my first podcast. I caught the bug like pretty quickly. I was just like, "Oh Mm. wow! This there's this amazing content out there that." Starts and stops whenever I want to. I don't have to like tune in at a certain time or, you know, miss out on it. It's, it's on my schedule. I think I really like that. But then also the ability to like go deep on a certain topic that wasn't necessarily available or accessible by, you know, the general mediums, whether it's TV or radio or anything like that. So, uh, and I think I just have like a passion for learning and podcasting helped me rediscover that curiosity and that passion just for a bunch of different topics that, you know, I was much more curious as like in grammar school and then like in Mm. high school and college, I think I got a little bit more uh, into just like hanging out with friends and stuff like that, being a knucklehead. But when I got reintroduced to like, or when I got introduced to podcasting, that reintroduced me to like my passion for learning. And then my friend, Zach, who is who's my co-founder and the CEO of Squadcast, he approached me and proposed this idea that has become now Squadcast. It was really easy for me to get excited about because I already had this foundation of a love and passion and ambition for podcasting as a listener. And so I thought it was inevitable for the medium and the industry to, to just only grow and become more mainstream and popular and, We did. We we started the journey back in 2016, and even then, it it, you know, podcasting's come such a long way because you know back then, like when I told folks I was working on this company that's going to help podcasters record their shows remotely, they were like, "Well, what's a podcast?" And I'm just like, "You have this on your phone, like it's 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 right there for you, and you you would love it." So we've come a long way, so I'm happy about that. But uh, yeah, I just think it's I, I think as a my accounting job, it was a great job for me to get introduced to the business world and build up my business acumen and really, you know, get some confidence in that, you know, wor- working in like a corporate setting. But I also got exposed to these different founders and entrepreneurs and executives that made me feel like, well, maybe I can do this too. And so when Zach approached me about that opportunity and that it was the right fit for something that I was really passionate about, it just it felt if I felt like the right thing to do it. And uh, I it was also more about, you know, eliminating what if from from my from the equation like i had always wondered what would it be like to start something from the ground up be a part of Mm. founding a company and stuff and even if it crashed and burned at least i would know like well hey at least i know what if (laughs) the answer to what if now so uh just it luckily it's working out better than that and no crashing and burning thus far
0: Mm, it's doing great and i imagine thank you even in 2016 It must have been tough, huh? Like you were saying that people didn't know what podcasting really was. I mean, they're aware of it, but it wasn't really a thing for them. I was talking to um, Todd from Blueberry. Oh, yeah. He's like, he was telling me that he set up Blueberry in 2005, 2006. So you can imagine like the conversations you had, but like 10 years earlier. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to have some kind of either... A little bit of a thick skin, or self belief, or stubbornness to to think about, or even build a business around that. So, so what was it for you? Why why did you like jump in at twenty sixteen when you know there are many other options? What was it about audio for you?
1: Accounting firm job was going well. Uh, it looked like a great path to um, to having a, a successful career by by all accounts, I suppose. But I just really felt like something was missing. And so little did I know though, that Zach was having his own personal journey. And so he really stumbled on this problem of remote recording specifically for creating Uh. a podcast on his own. He wanted to create a podcast with a bunch of our friends that were distributed all around California. And when they tried to create this podcast remotely, they just ran into a bunch of struggles. It was really difficult. And there was a lot of uncertainty with ensuring that the sound quality of the recording mm. that they were getting using all the best practices and options that were available at the time and, and nothing was good it wasn't very fun for them uh so what, what was, was available
0: like, at the time what was the landscape back then 2016.
1: yeah so uh, as far as i could tell it was all over the place but i would say the probably the most common way that folks would record remotely was using skype mm. and then they would have to use some other add-on uh to record the actual Mm. like audio Skype. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so like for some people that worked, but then for a lot of people, we noticed that it it didn't, and it was Mm. full of this uncertainty and anxiety and, um, you know, with with podcasters, like a lot of their credibility is wrapped up in in the show, right? Like the quality of how they sound, but also the experience that that they're giving mm. their guest when their guest is joining them on a show. So mm. we really saw an opportunity to provide like a professional virtual studio experience where you don't have to worry about the reliability of the platform. You, you can always trust that you're going to have the best sound quality possible because that's another mm. thing that... Skype wasn't focused on. And, um, you know, now most folks I would say are recording remotely on zoom and zoom's a great tool, but again, it's very similar to Skype where they're not really optimizing for the audio quality. They're not optimizing mm. for creators. They're just, it's not built for that purpose and, and that's fine. But that was our opportunity is to b- build something mm. that's specifically for podcasters and content creators where they can connect with anyone in the world. And have this virtual studio experience where it's it's tailor made for for them, mm. and um, and it's all about the the audio quality. Like we we mm. felt like um, you know as the medium continued to uh, develop and become more mainstream, that listeners' tastes and expectations for sound quality were only going to become uh, in higher demand. And so you know, recording on Skype and expecting your guests to accept subpar audio quality like it it's a, it's hmm. a tall ask i mean our ears are very sensitive and so ha- hearing that kind of skypey sound or um you know hearing someone's sound way out of level with with yeah. the, oftentimes the podcast host we felt like was really disrupting your, the the creator's message and also it hurts the quality the the credibility of everyone including the guests and a lot of the times these guests are interviewed on podcasts because they have a lot of knowledge and experience and expertise in a certain topic so to get that message kind of muddied and uh hmm. not taken seriously just because they didn't sound good we we felt like we could really change the game and really help podcasters and their guests look and sound their best
0: tell me about audio quality because there, there still is a lot of people who record a podcast off the laptop speaker. And um, for them, that's okay. Or yeah. they just don't know. So what's all that about? Why, you know, like, I mean, if you're an audio guy, you're an audio guy. I'm an audio guy. I mean, I mm-hmm. get disturbed by the sound of a refrigerator in the next room, for example. <laughs> I have to have everything perfect. But the average person still doesn't seem to be aware of what, great audio sounds like. Is that going to change? Are you noticing changes? What's going on from your side? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, we are seeing changes. I think we're just kind of stuck in this interesting point in time where there's a lot of folks that, like you're saying, they they don't really appreciate the audio quality like you and I do. But I do think that's changing because more and more folks are listening to podcasts. They are seeing like really professionally made stuff and i think a Mm. lot of it also starts with you know podcasters coming into the space thinking that i think one of the the disservices a lot of us folks in the podcasting industry might have done was you know promoting podcasting for being like accessible or a low barrier to entry and i think when when folks heard that they thought oh it's easy all i gotta do Mm. is Mm. just talk right and it's like well, no, there are low barriers than some other types of mediums, right? Like to get into TV, that's probably, you know, there's more barriers than than starting a podcast. I'll give you that. But that doesn't mean that you can kind of put out a less professional product or that quality and professionalism are not going to be in demand or rise to the top. And so I think that's what's happening is that the, the quality is rising to the top. And so now that's becoming more and more common for you know, regular indie podcasters to take their quality a lot more seriously. So one of the things when we were first developing and building Squadcast and getting, building up the awareness for Squadcast was... Uh, A lot of people were recording through the internal computer microphone. And it's not that those microphones are necessarily bad. It's that you kind of have to talk awkwardly into the computer to like have the proper mic technique where Mm. it it will sound good. And you probably know this, but like this even happens with folks using microphones that if you if you don't Mm. have proper mic technique, the microphone's not going to be able to sound help you sound as great as you can and so that's really uh from what we um from our research showed that like okay the, the laptop mics they're not bad it's just the way hmm. for you to have a natural free-flowing conversation you have to like speak directly into it and that takes away from the eye contact of you and it's just an awkward way to to Talk to your, you know, mm. talk to your computer. I guess you're like talking to the keyboard more so than you know actually focused on having a conversation with somebody. Um, another thing that used to be a huge topic of discussion for us at Squadcast was like really educating and informing our guests and and the hosts on why they should wear headphones. That it wasn't mm. really obvious to people that like headphones would impact the quality of their podcast or their conversation and. I get it. Like, you know, I've only learned a bunch of this audio stuff since coming into the podcast space. Like I said, I was a big time listener and believer in the medium. But now that I am a podcaster and much more uh, acclimated to the, the, you know, the ins and outs of audio, like I have a, a higher level of appreciation, but uh, I get why it wasn't obvious to folks or it's not obvious at first how headphones impact mm-hmm. the quality and can actually help your podcast sound better because you're, you know, it reduces the amount of echo or reverb that can happen. But a lot of times people were like, didn't, they didn't get it. It just was over their head. But now uh, based on, and we track this, we like to, you know, we have a lot of data on what equipment podcasters are using. And we are seeing that in the last couple years, More and more people are wearing headphones and not recording straight into their computer mic. They're using equipment like microphones. So I do think it's changing as people's Mm. understanding of recording audio, and especially remotely. This is a new thing, I think, for a lot of people. So there's been a lot of education. And I think everybody in the podcasting space, one way or another, does see themselves as an educator because it's really important to – get people into podcasting and we, and we love everybody that comes and joins and starts off, but it's another thing to like, keep them podcasting. And sometimes that's the harder job is not to start the podcast, but keep it going. And so I think we all see ourselves playing a role in educating folks on how we can attract them to podcasting, but then again, keep them podcasting. And one of the ways is just to, at least for us is to reinforce, you know, how they can really set them and their guests up for success, recording a conversation remotely, and that it's not it's not that hard to sound good remotely, It do, but it does take work and it does take mm. a, a few uh, best practices. And that's been our, been one of our goals uh, ever since we realized that like, hey, education's a, a must in this space. Everybody's new. A lot of podcasters uh, aren't audio folks. They They come to podcasting to share their message and which is oftentimes, you know, different than just like audio or podcast related. It's just the vehicle that they use to build their audience, to build their influence. So and that's why SquadCast exists, to really take care of all the heavy lifting when it comes to connecting with a guest and recording them remotely and ensuring that you sound the best possible. Because hmm. the content's hard enough to make as a as a podcaster. Like that's the real job is coming up with ideas that's super engaging, releasing it on a regular schedule. Like that's your job as a content creator. And Squadcast is there just to make sure that you have
0: a vehicle to record and connect with people remotely. Mm, It's a great app. I'm curious about the insights that you've got from your data and your research. And you've mentioned a lot of things which most people are unaware of. I mean, obviously the headphone part that people are only really learning, that that is essential. And even from a monitor perspective, if you're a musician, you, you wonder why you see these musicians wearing these sort of like little you know, it looks like a hearing aid on on stage, or they have these monitor amps facing back to them. It's because they can actually hear themselves. That's one part of it as well. Mm-hmm. And also, you, I mean, mention mentioned things like mic technique. I mean, you look at, for example, someone like Howard Stern, where he speaks into the microphone, and he's got an amazing voice. But that's been practiced over 20 years. That's his brand. That's his call sign, literally. But people didn't realize there's a mic technique or such a thing exists. You see when people, you know, we do a lot of corporate podcasts, their first sort of interaction with a microphone is to sit sort of like that, you know, a meter away from it because they think it's going to pick it up. Because in normal human speech, it's very active. You know, one of the reasons we don't hear reverb, for example, in human speech is because our brain actively filters it out. You know, in the same way the eye is only focusing on a little bit of a, a focal area and making the rest up, right? The the mm-hmm. ear does the same. And that's why when you put a reverb on tape, so to speak, you can actually hear this thing. Because you don't have that sort of 3D interpretation of the room going on. So all these kind of things people don't know and you don't need a degree in audio engineering, right? But you can learn some basics. What kind of insights did you pick up from your data and your research that well, those kind of wow moments about a how you thought you needed to build Squadcast, but also how things were changing.
1: The headphones one is—it's it, hard to beat that one. That was one that was like really—I don't—I don't know if it's disappointing is the right word, but when we first started measuring that or tracking that metric and ran reports on it, it was like I think sixty percent of the recordings on Squadcast were recorded with through the like internal microphone and no headphones were mm. worn, and. I think it's gone down to like 40%, maybe 30. It's certainly less than 50 though. So, uh, you know, thankfully folks are using equipment um, because I think it's obvious again, why the microphone would help with your quality, but it's not as obvious that the headphones will. And I think there's a plenty of podcasters that you can like watch YouTube clips on or, or they post their podcast to YouTube and they're not wearing headphones. So they're not necessarily the best example for, for people. Um, so that one was is is hard to beat. I think um also one that's come up and um you know depending on your position on this a lot of people in podcasting are not big fans of the Blue Yeti microphone and I see you got one there behind you and it's a beautiful microphone. Uh, we use them too, but that was that's a trophy.
0: Uh, that's old school.
1: Yeah. <laughs> cool. It's 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 great. it's a beautiful trophy just as it's a, mm. a beautiful mic, but it's not the best microphone for podcasting probably Mm. i mean it is in the right setting right like but but for the most part we like to recommend dynamic microphones versus a condenser microphone which Mm. the blue yeti is but uh i don't necessarily think it's as bad microphone but a lot of people in podcasting like they're very anti-blue yeti so when they saw that like that was the most uh that was one of the that was the most popular microphone Mm. according to our our data um it, folks
0: were it was were the first real tiffed. decent quality usb mic i think that was the thing right and the, i think and it, so, it looks like a microphone as well that's the other it,
1: thing it does and it's distributed everywhere like you can go to you know regular stores and find it or mm, you're mm. you may not be able to find your audio technica microphones that easy right so i think there's they've done a di- great job of distribution a lot of the youtube streamers they all mm. use blue yetis so i think it's like very recognizable. Um, and so I think they've done a good job of that. But I, I think those are the two ones that um, brought up the most discussion, whether internally mm. or externally. Um, so yeah, those are the two ones that are fun. And I mean, at least they're using microphones, so it's it's mm. hard to be upset, right?
0: <laughs> what would you see? I mean, people like Rode, for example, are doing some really interesting stuff, aren't they? they they've brought out that uh, online mixing studio now which is coming out, and they seem to be, uh, I mean, they're an Australian company. You wouldn't sort mm-hmm. of credit that sort of innovation coming from down under, all due respect hey. to my Aussie friends. But, <laughs> you know, that you know people like, uh, I mean, sure, are an American brand and Zoom are a Japanese brand. You, you sort of tend to think they come from those countries. But they seem to be doing really interesting stuff. What, what do you think about that as sort of, you know, in terms of where the tech side of, uh, you know, the hardware side of, microphones and mixes are going
1: yeah yeah i don't have any road devices uh i believe some of our team members do just for like testing purposes because they they totally are doing some really neat things and australia has really embraced podcasting i Mm. think at least according to our data i think they're like the number three country and i think that's actually consistent with podcasting in general that they're they're pretty high up there as far as like you know folks that are creating content And, and the listening side, I think is there's a lot of demand for a lot of people listening in Australia as well, but yeah, no road is definitely, we're not sleeping on them at all. Mm. They're definitely a very popular device when it comes to like the professional podcasters, people that are willing and able to pay, you know, hundreds of dollars for their equipment. Um, and it's a it's a great device. And yeah, what they're doing with the kind of merging some software with their hardware is is very interesting and mm. uh something we're we're keeping an eye on because we know a lot of folks are using roadcasters in addition or or you know, road devices in addition to recording on Squadcast.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got both. We use the roadcaster to take on, on the road. You yeah. Know, no pun intended, but also <laughs> the MGX, the Yamahas here as well. The old nice. school. But they, they run like, you know. 24 seven those things they won't break hopefully touch wood but those are pretty robust but old as I don't know where they're from they're from the 90s I think these guys but they wow. sound good yeah I mean they work great with these shore mics as well because the the preamps are pretty strong I'm um, going away from the tech a little a little bit to what's happened in the last year I mean obviously being in remote recording before remote was a thing for people, especially in the last 18 months, was a great, you know, calling the market for you guys. Mm -hmm. And then we've seen in the last four months, especially, a real surge in interest in social audio. You know, we've got Clubhouse, we've got Twitter Spaces, we've got LinkedIn gearing up to do something. And then you've got, you know, you've got players like Discord that have been around forever and making money with Mm -hmm. teen gamers on the horizon as well. How does this fit into what you're doing? What, what are your thoughts on this market? Because it seems to be, from my perspective, a lot of people seem to see it as competition for podcasts. Whereas I say, it, it, for some people, yeah, because like, you know, they'll always chase the the, the shiny object. However, mm-hmm. it's kind of like radio and music. You know, these two coexisted for a long, long time together. What, what's your take on this? How do you see all this fitting together?
1: Yeah, I think it's a it's really exciting and a great time to be in audio regardless, so I, I think it's awesome. I don't think that they're necessarily direct competitors. Um, I think they're competition in the sense that everything is competition that's taken away people's attention from listening hmm. or creating podcasts or whatever, but I do think that social audio is very different. So one of the things that I love about podcasting Is that it's on my time as a listener, whereas Clubhouse, like, you know, there's some cool stuff going on on there, but it's on Clubhouse's time or whoever's the participants in Mm. a Clubhouse meeting. It's it's on their time, and there's some advantages to to going live where you can kind of, you know, as soon as something happens, you can create a club on Clubhouse or Twitter Spaces or whatever and just start talking and reach people immediately. But I also think there's a place for podcasting where there. It, it's not immediate. There is some post-production involved and you can really put a much more professional polish on it. One of the better ways that I think that they can coexist is uh, you know, one of our friends in the podcast space, Harry Duran. He's the host of Podcast Junkies. He views it as like an on-ramp to podcasting that if you mm. think that you are uh, interested in having a podcast or being someone who talks to some degree for uh, maybe not a living, but just something that you do, Uh, start clubhouse and see how you feel about Hmm. talking around people and the way you are able to express your thoughts and kind of audience build that way. He, he views it more as like training wheels, which I, I I think that's a, that's a good analogy. And, but I do, I do think there's space for them to coexist. Um, You know, I think the more, I think the fact that people are really embracing and seeing the power of audio, something that I think you and I have seen for, for many years now, Pre-pandemic, right? Mm. Uh, I, I'm optimistic that this is going to lead to a good place and end up benefiting creators in general. So you can have you know easy options to do something live and create a create a room on you know wherever it's going to be. <laughs> it seems like there's going to be a lot of clubhouse uh, lookalikes pretty soon here. Mm. But I absolutely think that that doesn't mean that podcasting is going away. I do think there is something really special about on-demand content that is produced and edited and you know much more professional than did something on clubhouse
0: it's a win-win yeah i, I, agree. I think the, the biggest clubhouse room is is a16z isn't it so and i think they're using it actually as a direct feed and on-ramp into the podcast itself exactly what, what do you listen to out of interest on the, the podcast side what's sort of on your playlist
1: yeah so i I used to be a lot more interesting with my podcast selection, to be honest. Uh, it was, uh, I like a lot of like, like hardcore history by Dan Carlin. No. Is probably like the favorite one of all time. Just it's incredible stuff and, uh, really shows that like you can make a podcast whatever you want. Like there's no rules. I think he's the one of the best examples at that. He doesn't release on a regular schedule. There are three to six hour episodes and he's a great example of like you can. Make the show whatever you want. There's no rules to this. These days, though, I listen to a lot more like podcasts to help me get better at running squadcasts. So whether it's Mm. like leadership or entrepreneurial advice or guidance or related to that. But I also listen to a lot of podcasts on podcasting. So Harry Mm. is the host of Podcast Junkies, which is talking to other podcasters. Uh, Zach and I, we have our own show called Between Two Mics, where we interview Mm. podcasters that are really pushing the medium forward and really doing some things that are, you know, we think are really exciting and we want to highlight. So I listen to a lot of pod podcasts on podcasting, whether it's like on industry, like industry mm. trends and news and topics, or if it's about like, you know, people just talking about like uh different ways to grow an audience or build an audience, like all that kind of stuff. Like I'm really trying to be a, a good resource for our customers that when they do reach out and mm. ask for advice, whether it's on, you know, growing their show or, or, uh, you know, how to get, how to monetize, like all the the usual stuff that comes up. Like I want to be a good resource for them to not just, you know, start podcasting, but again, continue to grow their show and, and stay in podcasting.
0: You've been listening to The Age of Audio with me, Graham Brown, from the award-winning podcast agency Pickle & Co. To get access to all the audio conversations and book content for The Age of Audio, go to www.theageofaudio.com. One more time, theageofaudio.com.